Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. Today, we have a nice special treat for myself, I should say. I'm here in the studio, live in the studio, and what a pleasure. It is so good to be back here with a mic, the whole system, and especially having Rav Nissen here. So the number to call in to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we are looking forward to taking your questions and your comments. So we are going to start with our first caller, Mrs. K. You're on the air with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Hello. Yes, hi. Yes, I'm calling from London. Thanks for your time. And thank you for staying up at this late hour. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, my question is like this. I've got a eight-and-a-half-year-old son um, who's absolutely petrified of masks. Um, now with Purim coming up, uh, basically he's terrified to the fact that he doesn't want to go to Haida. Um, now, you know, now this evening he was crying away that he didn't want to go to Haida tomorrow because in case... Somebody is going to bring a master hide and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to see it at all. Okay. Let's start asking just a little bit information. Does he in general have fears of other stuff as well, like going to sleep at night, being in the dark, robbers, kidnappers? Um not especially. I mean sometimes he can after he reads a scary story he can say that he can't fall asleep. Uh-huh. Um other than that, this, this is mainly where it comes out. Is this every year, or is it just this yeah. year? No, every year. So this year I tried um, a bit of EFT on him. Okay. Um, I had somebody do EFT on him one session. I can't, Wait, when you I can't say, say they say did it on him, helped. hold on, when you're saying they did it on him, does that mean that he participated? means he was doing the tapping points, and he was saying, yeah. even though I'm afraid of this, I choose to feel? Um, he wasn't talking, he was just tapping. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, generally it works much better if the kid would actually do the talking, and eight and a half can do the talking. But that's about mm-hmm. the EFT system. Let's let's try a little classical therapy. Let's try a little bit of classical exposure. Means first step is we'll divide it into cognitive component and the exposure, the behavioral component. So step one is cognitive. Asking your son, when you see a, a face, a face mask, what do you see mm-hmm. when you see that scary face? What are you afraid of? Yeah, so, so this person that did the EFT um, asked him this question, and he said that he's scared it will become alive. So if he sees a lion, he's scared, you know, it will become real. Okay, so what I hear is that your kid has, Baruch Hashem, a very active imagination. So the yeah. first step that you do with a cognitive level is to tell him, I'd like you to say several times to yourself, and I'd like you to think to yourself, saying things that I see or that I imagine aren't real. And now you could ask him to imagine many different things. It's the first level in exposure, which is imagination. And you start Mm -hmm. having your son imagine that there are going to be lions, there are going to be tigers, there are going to be clowns, there are going to be witches, there are going to be scary, scary stuff, people dressed up in scary forms, as in gorillas. And to imagine and to know that they're not real. So his imagination takes over when his, when his logic is saying it's not real, but his imagination gets that strong. So if you can prepare the imagination to say it's not real and I'm not afraid, it's step one. And you have him do that about three or four times a day. And to mm-hmm. remind himself, in the morning, it's not real, it's not real. Then what you do is the next day you start telling him, okay, now I'm going to start getting some masks. And I want you to look at it, just me and you look at it. 
And it's like exposure therapy. This is part two. Be around the mask. Touch the mask. See yeah. the mask. Then you yeah, ask he's done, him. He's done that with one mask um, that I bought, uh, an elephant plastic mask I bought him. And um, he's done that. He's looked at it. He's felt it. That he's okay with already because he's seen it already lots of times. But then it came to the more rubbery types of masks. Um, as soon as I say that, I, I, he doesn't even have to take it out of the bag. It can stay in the bag. I just want him to touch the bag and all that. He wouldn't even want to touch it. Now, here's we just, again. We just take it back to the shop. I don't need it. I don't want it. Uh, mm. All right. So here's now where your assertiveness gets close. So your strength within yourself, which is very important. When you have a parent that says, okay, but we need to do it. Perm is coming up. You cannot be afraid. It's our job to teach you. And it's our job to get your imagination in control. So therefore, we have over here 10 masks. And we're going to be doing exposure therapy, if not now for perm, then after perm, because we want to get you ready for the next year. And if you're not able mm -hmm. to do it, then go to a therapist. The therapist will be able to help you out, will be able to help you do the exposure, and they might ask you for help to go get some more masks. But your son needs, comf needs someone safe, needs someone confident to be able to do the exposure without you. Oh, hey, it's my kid, and he's afraid now, and now I'm afraid to teach him or to do the exposure or to have him do that. If yeah. you still have the person doing EFT, that person I would recommend, if they would listen to this, that they actually do EFT, have your son talk. Yes, some people do it without the kid talking, but the real way that it's taught and done is with the kid actually speaking, the kid taking ownership. This way the kid can help himself when he gets anxiety or fears or fearful of uh -huh. the mask. So he can take himself to a room and start doing the tapping points. Even though I'm afraid of that mask, I choose to feel safe. Even though I'm afraid that it might turn alive, I choose to know that it's not going to be alive. Even though I'm afraid it's alive, I know my mother's stronger than a lion, so I'm not afraid, or whatever it should be, to be able to do that and to be able to balance that and to challenge that. The EFC would be better than CBT? Oh, that was a highly controversial question that you just asked. Not even aware of that. <laughs> so we're not even going to go down that path at all. Just being that you said that you're talking about EFT, that was how I might recommend for your son that if he did the session and it wasn't working and he's got such a severe, severe level. But in general, I would tell you that the goal is not Purim. The goal is how to work on your son's imagination. And even if Purim is now coming up and you won't have it ready for this Purim, but Merit Hashem work on it after Purim, that the next Purim he should be at ease and relax with it. Uh -huh. and, and what would you feel is the answer if he wants to stay home? from Haida. I should rather I can't answer those questions. Haida. You see, now you've asked me a what should you do question. I don't know what you should do based without getting a complete evaluation of what's happening in your life and your confidence and your ability. And can you really block out the whole world? And can you now take him out of Haida? Or maybe it's time to tell him now, that's why we have 10 masks in the house and I borrowed masks and we need to do it because you actually have to go to life. You have to learn how to deal with life. So this is the question going on. Are you weak within yourself? And you're afraid to push him, and you're afraid to challenge him, and that it's, you know, it's your issue, not your son's issue? Um, I don't think so, no. I actually think I'm quite strong in that. Yeah, so then... I, I could tell him, you know, this is what we have to do, and, and he's going to go, but he'll Very good. Then what end I'd up screaming all the way to Haida. And if you have that strength, I'd recommend you actually do that with the exposure with the masks. You've still got tomorrow to do it. Bring five masks, get family masks, get the rubber masks, bring them in, put them in the room and say, now we're starting to do exposure therapy, one step at a time. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, we'll try that. All right, thank you. And thank please you share with much. us the feedback. Fantastic. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And we'll go to Mrs. K. We'll go to Mrs. K. Mrs. K, you're on the with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hi, hello. Hi, how are you doing? God. Thanks Bar for taking Hashem. my call. 
Um, I just have a technical question. I I wonder, I don't know if you want to answer it, but I just wanted to know where your center is located. Yeah, that's a technical question. It's not important. Thank you. We're trying. I've, I think only three times in about the two years of history that I've mentioned my center or my, or the phone number. So the goal over here is not to promote me. The 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 goal is uh-huh. to promote mental health awareness. We're gonna get a like a hold of your a number or something. Um, I'll tell you what. We'll put you on hold and we'll have her on this and tell you because I don't want it on. I don't want to start doing that. He'll, I'll give you the number. All right. Okay. I'll okay. give you the number. The number is 718 Yeah. 633 1755. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. It's located in Brooklyn. That much will go. <laughs> okay, thank okay, you. Okay, sure. You're welcome. All right, and for those that would like to call in, the number is 718 683 5858. 718 683 5858. And we're going to go to our next caller. Mrs. S, you're on the air with Mordechai and her of Yes, hi. Thank yes. you so much for taking my call. It's a pleasure and honor. Um, so my question is like this. I, I want to know um, how, I could, how I could create a close relationship with my children. My kids are still very little, and I don't, I'm not close to my mother. I mean, I, you know, nothing, I'm not terribly distant, but I don't, I'm not so comfortable, like, exposing myself to her. So I want to know how to... So again, the question for Harvness, what do you say to that? I, it's a, and I know that it's, it's a big issue between uh, parents and kids, and, but the things, it's a really, it's a build trust. First of all, when you, when you speak with the kids, don't, you know, it's different in ages, but don't try to make things like uh, funny and, you know, I cannot do it. And it, Right now, I cannot explain you or something like this, but you go on the tr- trust level and the amnestic. The whole idea is to be amnestic and to see the kids that, uh, you know, many parents I see that and give a hug, give a kiss. It's something that's very important, the physical kids, especially in the young age, they need it. They need it to. So, so my question is my mother was very, I mean, she also, you know, kissed and all, and I still don't feel like. I know she. I don't feel like she doesn't love me, but I'm just not close to her. Hey. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like where, what went wrong? So okay. So the, I can change the, it. The question like this is: uh, You feel that uh, maybe your personality is a, a personality that you don't like to share that some stuff, and uh, maybe your 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 mom didn't know how to to pull you, uh, you know, over, and start talking with you but uh, i think that uh, the the major the major thing is to be try, trustful and uh, try to tell the kids all i repeat the kids all the time i am i'm your mother and i listen to you I, whatever you need whatever don't go to to other stuff you know places i am i'm the first i i hope that i'm the first uh, st- uh, station or step that you coming uh, if you have any problem just tell for me uh, this is what uh, what is what we doing me and my wife, I tell you the truth. I'm trying to, I tell my kids, please uh, don't go to another places. If you have any problem, anything, just tell me first and I would help you, try to help you. But, uh, you know, again, and trust, trust uh, and love. That's my... my uh right. And again, just reminding everyone, uh, we'll deal with your question. Just reminding everyone, the number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. I'm looking forward to taking your questions or your comments. 
So since I'm a therapist, I love what Harav Nissen has said, and I would shift it back to you. What do you think happened in your relationship with your mother that everything is nice and that you're not able to connect? I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, that's let's not go point. into, I don't I know, take a guess. Out. Take a guess. Sure, that's exactly what we do in therapy. Because if you're not aware of the blind spot, how are you going to correct it? Exactly. So Excellent. So let's shift it right back to you. If I would ask you to take two, three guesses, why are you not close to your mother? Take three guesses. She's too overbearing. She isn't that interested, or she doesn't give you that much time. There wasn't quality. None time. of the above. I don't know. I, I like. I think she did everything right. I just don't feel connected. Good. So I will then tell you. Think about it. We'll put you on hold. We'll get back to you and take three guesses why. That's what we do in therapy to be able to start creating an awareness as to what's happening. Why you're being blocked. There's a reason. And after you're aware of it, we can start working on that subject. So, is your mother too into you or too into the kids? Did she have one kid more favored over the other? Were there certain traumas going on when she was in? Was she too overbearing? Was she too distant? Did she take care of physical stuff but not the emotional needs? Don't answer yes or no. I'd like you to start thinking about some of these steps. What could happen that you're not close to your mother? Did you tell your mother some information and she would share it with other people? And you would feel that, you know, she didn't keep it private. Would you, were you closer to your father or not to your mother? Were there shalom bias problems? Were you disappointed? Did your mother have some shortcomings that you're sad about her and, this, and, and why, uh, upset why these mistakes are happening? There can be many points out there. I'm just giving you some little tips. We will put you on hold. Or can you think of any of them? Anything um, that I said that might have been a reason, might have been a logic, uh, uh, a reason? Maybe the only one that I, maybe I could uh, um, was like maybe uh, yeah shortcomings that I don't like that I but okay I mean, now let's take it to you are you I have, a perfectionist? I'm very close with a lot of friends and they all, they all have shortcomings too. But how close are you to your friends? Are you can you actually share personal information like that you don't share with your mother? Can you share that with your friends? Yeah, definitely. All right, it's not that I I can't share like I'm not just not comfortable being totally. I, I, I can't be, like, open with my... I don't know. I feel like I can't be myself. All right. So this generally takes a bit more of an evaluation to understand what's happening. It's a little... In other words, it's normal what you're saying, and it's also normal to be able to identify what's the reasons that disturb you. Now, it might be on air, so therefore you might not want, mm-hmm. but... Um, but just be aware that there's a reason, there's a thought, and if you can work on that, then things will change. Mm-hmm. But if, like, otherwise I can't, like, basically I'm going to have the same relationship with my children. Let's understand. We're now making If I'm, many like, happy with the way it is now, and, like, I don't want to start, <laughs> I don't want to work There are many it. different theories. There's a psychodynamic theory that, yes, psychodynamic theory says the way you connect with your parents is the way you're going to connect with the world. So while you say you're close to your friends, I wonder how close you are. I wonder if you really have a difficulty if you'll share it with them or you'll only share neutral stuff. I'm not, the fact that you aren't able to identify exactly where or what is a it can be a bit of an issue but i don't want to make issues out of just a normal question or could be that it's nothing much so therefore what i'm saying is i don't know i'm not saying you have a problem if you would tell me you just want to connect to your kids the the concept is spend time spend emotional time with them you know share with them your difficulties share with them some of your pains share with them some of your successes and when you share they open up but generally if we would know what your difficulties we can identify which blockages are you afraid to share painful feelings there might be other stuff that's going on that you're afraid to share we don't know what's going on because we work 
therapy is very is very um, very self-reportive of the person reporting what's getting better and what's mm -hmm. happening. And when a person can't report it, it takes sometimes several sessions for the person to start recognizing emotions, start recognizing, oh, does this really make sense? And yeah, all right. Mm -hmm. So, in the answer your question, I need a bit more information. I hear. Okay. Okay, thank you. thank you so much. You're welcome. I appreciate you calling up. Yeah, and okay. Great. And for those that would like to call and ask your question, the number is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. And if someone would like to um, send a message just till we get the calls. It's 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. Again, we want to take callers calling in with your question with your live voice. 718-683-5858, So, Mordechai. Yes. No, you know that poem is coming. You know, all we talk so much about the drinking, about that salah, about all this stuff, and I want to to remind to refresh our mind that we spoke about a few hours ago about it. This is what uh, what is all about. And it's, I know that we couldn't bring brought uh, that salah member, and uh, I'm trying to get someone on that will call us right now. But uh, let's talk about it. All right. So I would like to share with everyone a concept about one of the beauties of drinking. What's the concept of drinking? And this is from many of the good elements, the ability to feel free, to get there was such symptom lacked. Or let's, let's even take another concept that I love about Purim. I know we've got some people on the line, but I just want to use this concept. It's from the Grah, it's from all the Chassidus, it's from everyone brings this concept that what's Purim? Purim is that we did not see how we're going to get stronger, how we're going to get out of this. It looked like it's completely done. And what the Rabbi Yishlelem has done is when we've completely given up hope, then that night is when the Rabbi Yishlelem sends the Geula. And I enjoy that because many times when we work with clients, they have a certain view and they're right in their lenses, with their view that they're looking at, the world does look a certain way. But what we need to realize is that there are other levels with which we can view, other lenses with which we can look. And one of them is a rachnius, spiritual view. And that is that the Rabbi Shalom is a hakal yachal. And part of the concept is how can we get a different view? How can we shift and see something else? That is the concept that I use in therapy. And for those that we've done a drop of cognitive therapy, we've used the concept of Purim. That if you were living in Klal Yisrael at that time, we wouldn't see that there's a way. And the only way was Tefillah. But Tefillah, how does that work? We want to understand, for those that have got OCD, for those that have anxiety, you need to understand exactly how is Hashem going to do it. Would anyone have ever dreamed that Esther Hamalka, the queen, is really a Yid? Would anyone believe that that story where Mordechai helped and told the, the king, Achashverosh, that day at Big Son and Sarish that wants to kill him, that that story will be read at that night? Would anyone believe that just then as the Medrash says that when Achashverosh is going out, once he heard that Homa wants to kill Esther, that his sons or that or should be Malachim that look like that are now destroying his beautiful trees that Achashverosh wanted, his beautiful garden? We need to start learning to let go and putting more at ease. And for those of us that have anxiety or 
OCD, you know how difficult it is. And while it's not always logical, it's more emotional, but drumming it into our logic, it helps a tremendous level for our minds to be able to be relaxed, for our minds to be able to be confident, for our minds to be able to trust and to actually feel that things happen without our control. Things happen without us understanding how. And with Siata Deshmaya, if we can build our inner strength, then we're able to let go. We've recently had a beautiful story how a person is coming in with major tightness to the Rabbi Nishlam sent to us by a Rav, and the Rav says, this is not a Rabbi Nishlam question. This is not a Hashkafa Shaila. This is major emotional blockages. And it's amazing that after the third session, this person was able to say, not realizing, why couldn't my mother take care of me? Oh, why couldn't my father? I don't want to say, why couldn't my father just be there for me? Why is it that whenever I had to be picked up and every parent came and my father never came to school and had to drop me off? And then we're able to identify and tell this person, isn't this amazing how these are the exact words that you're using about Tainus and Rabbi The Rabbi is a Hakal Yachal. Why do we have to suffer? Why isn't he making things easier? If we can recognize, us parents, how much kids look at us, how important our their childhood is, and the trust that they have in us is the trust that later we can have in the Rabbi because we had someone teach that to us. And at the same time, for those of us that are healthy, to be able to now take it a step further, the Yantav of Purim is there to remind us that the Rabbi Shalom does things his way. And it's unbelievable as the Gemara finishes off in Megillah. I love that Gemara. It says, Klai Yisrael had a bigger Kirov movement than every Navi put together. And the Shiva Navi, as the Gemara says, Klai Yisrael did more Kirov the minute it was the ring was taken off and said, Chasram, we're going to get killed, we're going to get destroyed. Let's understand that the Rabbi has his ways, and unfortunately, sometimes from the negative and painful ways, do we grow so much more. That is the little bit that I just wanted to talk, and we've got the lines filled up. So again, I want to thank everyone for calling. Again, the number is 718-683-5858. Mrs. R., you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Yes, hello. Yes. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciated your last week's show, but first I wanted to give you some feedback on something that you told me a very long time ago. I called up about somebody who was confiding in me and expecting me to help um, with a situation that she was having with a family member. And I knew it wasn't my place, and I still didn't have the ability to convince her to go for therapy because somebody, I can't make her go do anything. But I do want to tell you that after saying it enough times but, and not answering any questions, meaning refusing to talk about the subject according to your instructions, Yes. I just said, I'm sorry, I can't help you, and I kept reiterating, this is something you need to talk to a professional about, and we can't discuss this. The person did go for therapy. Wow. And I find it's like miraculous. Wow. Hold on. That Say that again. How many times, after how many years or months are you... Many. Many months? Many, many, many years. Many years. And after many how, years. Many years. And how many times did you say, stop, you need a professional, I cannot help you, and you won't give them the opportunity to share that with you? Um, I said it many, many times, but I still kept on listening. That's right. That's and until I spoke to you about it, I realized that by listening, just listening, even if I didn't respond, um, I was doing something that was keeping her back from going for therapy. Wow. And, and I just, I find it almost as though it really was, it, I find it is miraculous because when somebody is so dead set against therapy, and they're convinced it's not going to help them. But when their one source of listening disappeared, 
then they all of a sudden realized, I think, <coughs> I, you know, I, I don't know what they realized, but I guess it they sunk need in help. at some point, beca and because there was no listening here. That's right, and we say that all the time in the addiction language, those that are enablers, those that listen, those that think they're doing good, unfortunately they are even damaging and doing harm. Just step out, just step out. I so appreciate you sharing yeah. your story because it's, I have a just, it's yeah, real. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just have a question regarding it also. When the person is in therapy, is it okay for them to share their experiences? No. That they're no. talking to the therapist no, about? No, especially like the, not with you. No, I'm cutting you off. Uh, my ADD is kicking in. No, especially <laughs> not with you. The reason is okay. because they're going to start splitting. They'll be sharing with you things that they're not sharing with a the therapist. Right, that's what I thought. She'll use me for something, and then she won't give everything exactly. over. Exactly. Or then she's going to start questioning the therapist to you, saying, why would she do this while she's changing the information instead of shifting back to the therapist? What okay. I would recommend you tell her is this subject, speak to the therapist for about four months, five months, and then you can start moving on. And then, and then maybe we can discuss ask it. Ask her therapist if it's okay. What? Is it? Should I even ask her? I don't to think ask so. I think you've got to disconnect, and you've got to allow her to disconnect. That you're being her therapist. You're just being her friend for other subjects. Let her learn to connect. Give her time to okay. to connect to her therapist. So I should say this is not a subject we could discuss. I know you're going to help. I know you're well taken care of. That's right. And if you need more, you can go twice a week. Sometimes therapists, when it's an acute symptom or situations that are going on for many years, mm -hmm. the first couple of, let's say, three, four months might need twice a week. Okay. And after that, if you feel things more stabilized, then we can talk about, you know, not talk about this subject, but we'll see then in a couple of months. We'll evaluate at that time what's happening. Okay, that sounds right. Now, can I just ask you some? I just mentioned something quick. Go ahead. Um, from last week, somebody called up about kids going collecting, and I had the itch to call up and ask a question, and I decided I'm going to wait it out. My nine-year-old came home from yeshiva and said that his class is making a group, and my first reaction was, "Are you insane? Nine-year-olds don't go collecting That's on right. night." Right. And I've, I started to doubt myself because um, after my nine-year-old, I have big teenagers. So I was thinking maybe the world has changed and I just don't know. Um, so then after listening to the program and deciding not to call yet, I decided to call up the Manal. Excellent. And I did. And I just asked him very simply what happened where did this come from. He started laughing, actually. And he said, oh, the class decided they're doing it, but don't worry. They're not doing it. And you're not the first parent to call up. Excellent. And I, I realized that um, I've learned something from listening to your program, to wait things out sometimes and ask a few questions. And instead of reacting and Beautiful. saying no and being, you know, Beautiful. the mean mother. Beautiful. Who always Done. says no. Yes. It, w it was never even a reality. It was the fantasy. Beautiful. So, so well done. Really, that. really used your skills. <laughs> well, we try. I definitely okay. credit your program. A Great. Tremendous I want to thank you. Listening and listening and listening. Excellent. It just keeps it up. Beautiful. You know, thank you. give you the schuss to continue to be able to help people without them even, without you even knowing. Amen. Thank you. It really, really is a schuss. And I thank you for the call and for sharing with everyone the information. Thank you.
Excellent. We now have a very special guest, which Harav Nissen was able to set up. We were not, uh, we are able to get a Shamer member that has a message for everyone to please listen to and we'll discuss it. Hello. Hi, how are you? Hey, Baruch Hashem. May I share who you are? My first cousin. My, my very own, Dr. very Mar- special Mar- first cousin, oh, that's, a, that's a new one for me. Yes. I didn't know. Oh, <laughs> In fact, his mother is that special. I can't tell you all my secrets. Come on. His mother is the one that got me into therapy. She is the one. I named my youngest daughter after your mother, Tzvika. So, uh, Baruch yep. Hashem. What a schuss. That is nice. I'm calling you all the way from Monroe. I'm uh, right over here. Uh, not for a great occasion, but uh, like I'm saying, I said, this said, can you call? And I always try to call because one thing I do know is Nisim doesn't waste people's time. If he asks you to call, something important. Isn't that funny, Nisim, that you as a Shammer member ends up being my very first cousin? Yeah. That is cute. <laughs> it's All right. always cute, and it's, uh, it, it, it has to be a sign from Hashem that we have to find how to talk more often. That's not it. Not to find to on the radio. Yeah. But it's a good, it's a good place. Excellent. Just, so, my, let's uh, talk about your experience a little. You know let's talk about your experience. Let's assume I know nothing about Hatsala and Sharmram, and tell me what happens on Purim. What calls do you guys get? The uh, first thing, I'll give you my own experience. It's, uh, I keep on having a whole young time with the family, and usually by the Suda, I sit myself down, I drink. I make sure I have where to go. I drink normally. I don't go nuts. And I get a little shaky and I go to sleep and I wake up and become the next. But this first couple of years, I've been asked specifically, like all of the members, instead of spending time with the family, especially at night when you want to go out and see some customs, you have a lot of members with a solo members that have no yontems. And not only they don't have yontems, the problem is right now, we're getting to a legal problem, meaning whoever has an open house or whoever has a kid that went out to get drunk and is underage, the parents and the person they gave to drink to get arrested. This is very serious stuff. I totally cannot play with them because once they pick up a patient and the condition has to go to the hospital to get they're basically cleaned up or, or save his life, getting from, from either from alcohol uh, uh, abuse or alcohol that sometimes gets to such a point that it's like uh, danger to the people that can't even uh, survive. But Atzola has to report it, and if it comes from a house, they have to report it where they picked up. So all the people that give him and not give him, if you open up or you send your kids, you figure out a way to make sure they don't drink. Because if they drink, you're going to get in trouble legally, and some people get arrested and cost many thousands of dollars that I don't think most people would like to spend for enjoying poem. Let me ask you another question, Svika, just from your experience, because many people think, what's the big deal? A bacha gets a little high, gets a little drunk. Have you ever seen accidents from your experience where people break their bones, people have car accidents, people are vomiting, they're ending up in the hospital? I'll tell you a terrible story without names. A big reveal many years ago about, I believe, uh, I think 04, 03, if I can remember correctly, asked me to arrange a truck for his kids with some friends to go on Poland. And drinking or drinking, I didn't want. He ended up getting it to somebody else. The driver that drank a little bit along with them, 
Uh, didn't realize I opened the back door. A kid fell off the truck and got killed on 14th Avenue and 50th Street. An investigation came to me that supposedly I was arranging. I said nothing to do. I never worked from that day on pulling my car service, never worked where I worked. And uh, if they asked drivers, uh, you and the driver have nothing to do with that. I would not set up anybody on Yomtev. I saw many accidents. I saw many kids lose the chance to make a license or have a license for 10, 15 years. I saw some kid that uh, took him three years and many thousands of dollars in, in connection to go ahead and drop a charge for my causing an accident while driving under the influence. And they wounded a shidduch. He was engaged the book of the shidduch. I can tell you many stories and many topics. The bottom line is, is if you look around and if you ask at solo members, strongly members, in every neighborhood, people call you bad names, people call you, you know, uh, party poopers, whatever you want. The bottom line is, the point that I cannot go with my children or stay at home and do whatever I want to enjoy the pooping. And they have to be up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, come into houses where the guys like this come and destroy houses that gives dock and, and they close the door because of that. Causing many giving not to be on poem. Uh, causing family anguish and other people that just drive normally and they decide to drive wrong. Uh, causing uh, problems with the police department saying, oh, you're covering up. Nobody's covering up. All the volume signed for it. Everybody's against it and give warnings and people always think, I'm, I'm not going to be the one. Even adults that drink a little bit and drive their families. You are shyly from Arotzeach and Arotzeach. This is by Rabonim, not by me. And I can tell you this much, that I have to give up a job this year uh, doing with somebody against the doctor's house to go out and roll out because everybody in Sherman has to roll out this year in Flatbush anyway at night, at least three, four hours to go and try to prevent so this So can you describe what images do you see? Do you see people driving wild? Do you see people sometimes acting violent? Do you see fights breaking out from people when they're shaker? What are... What are the, there are many points, there is many places in Flatbush that I saw violent gangs, they call them the police, and it's Yiddish boys that just drink and get loose. We saw girls that got attacked, we saw houses that get breaking into, uh, like because they, they tried to hold the door down at all, and then they come in, they broke the door, and to damage in the house the police was and called in. And this is all the man Kiddush Hashem that they're doing a mitzvah of drinking on Purim, of course. Exactly. No, it's not just the drinking and the Purim, is they drinking their life away. Meaning is that if, like, there is an old joke that there was a guy in Russia that drank and came out of the bar, drove into a tree and broke his car completely, demolished his car, gets arrested, gets to the judge, and the judge says 25 for life. And he says, for what? For destroying my own car or, or touching a tree? He says, no. We Russians know how to drink. You're giving us a bad name. Stay in jail till you learn how to drink. <laughs> yeah. I keep on saying to kids over here, I'm not telling you don't drink. I don't tell you what to do. If you have a father, we have plenty of problems doing the whole year with people drinking. But I'm not the guy that likes to drink. Or I don't know how to drink better. Say, or maybe I'd like, but I don't know how. But people that even know can tell you there are certain things you don't do. Usually get drunk on Shabbos because you can't drive, and usually somebody will take you home. But to go on Purim and see him Purim night, boys, girls, going around like the worst of the worst. The police ask me, this is Jewish kids, and I'm embarrassed and, and uh, of, of what to answer. But 
the idea is basically how much trouble and how much people got life destroyed from one night of drinking. Is the price worth it? Is it the mitzvah? I don't think so. I don't. Many rabbis say no. Many rabbis says you have to be home, like eating or something, and 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 go to sleep. And once you're a little tipsy, you don't have to be going on the street and screaming and and doing things that that is chilul Hashem and and getting in trouble. I have no idea how to stop it. I know that my our boss, our main coordinator, Mr. Bob Moskowitz, urged everybody from family member to to be polite, but to be very very tough, meaning no letting go, and most of the time what we do is we have to take bottles, they put it into bottles of sodas or something. If it's alcohol, just to spill it and try to get them home before they get in trouble. And many many members, like I said, every year I'm pulling, they still have to give a car wash because somebody threw up in the car, take them home. And they have to take the family the next morning in this lovely car with a lovely smell. So yeah. whoever wants to go and drink and do it, let her find, make sure it's his father come and take him, not that we have to come and take because most parents don't even want to pick up the phone. But then when they have a police officer knocking on the door, then they said, why are you sending us to our house? Why can't you down with my son? I said, because this is the law. There's nothing to do with us. But we're coming to bad people. I remember somebody marrying me two months after Purim says, thank you for destroying my life. And I'm like looking at them and says, what did I do? I said, you came with my son with the police and I had to get a whole trouble. I said, you son drink and it's my fault. Why don't you go find who gave him the drink and talk to him? But this is every year, and this same every year helps us to put out the message, and we're trying to do, we have coordinators, we have members, the people, believe me, will thank you if they don't have to go outside and, and deal with it every, every night. And during Purim days, many phone calls about people, meet families, getting arrested on Purim. Whoever thinks that it's funny, whoever thinks that it's cheap, Whoever thinks that it's something great to, to try, because I I'm, I can handle it, let him go ahead. But don't call someone to help you try to get bailed out on pulling while your family is crying because they don't even have you for the food. And whoever can go in with that and enjoy it, let them do it, but not on my terms. Let them go try to find someone else. That's what I say. That's Rika. First of all, thank you very much. I want to say, you say many rabbis. I do, show me one rabbi in all of the world that approve this kind of drinking. I don't see anything. Not from the Shulchan Aruch. Listen, listen, let me tell you the little secret. The secret is, is like saying, it says in, in, the, in the Agadah, in a Kikev, in a Selech Arav. And in the Agadah we said, V'Rav Kmo Sheneemar. To be a rabbi, a real rabbi. <laughs> Not every rabbi likes to put his name out there and go and tell his own people, his own governing, whoever's going to drink, don't ever come into my shul. For that, you have to be a, be a real rabbi, a big rabbi. And there are many rabbis around that are doing it and signed and, and put, signed all over the shul and saying speeches, last Shabbos, this Shabbos is going to talk. The bottom line is, people like to be a rabbi when it's good for him. And if the rabbi has done okay. something wrong, show me that it's the law. Then you're not a rabbi. It's you're a, my enemy. It's Vika. Okay, thank you. We touch a very <laughs> sensitive issue. I know. I'm not, my no, shul, no, no, no. My shul, no alcohol. My shul, no alcohol. Listen, listen, let me tell you something. There are lovely rabbis. There are lovely people. But there are lovely people that have to survive, and many should have to survive. Okay. <laughs> and let's hope, it's, let's hope my, this, my broker to all of you, 
make the programs about helping people like you do, be matzliach, and all the drinking people should get seichel, and Hashem should give them wisdom to drink in a, in a normal way, and stay home and stay from Shrev. We continue the topic with my show. This loves this. This is controversy. You want to start my problem? You know me. This isn't my strength. Good night. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Mrs. P. All right, we're going to go to Mrs. P. You're on with Mordechai and her Nisim. Hello? Yes, hi. Um, I have a question. Go ahead. Um, you mentioned a few times in your <laughs> uh, questions and answers when people um, say that therapy costs a lot of money and and you say that you know they spend money on other things and this is such an important thing. And uh, when I look around, it seems to me that people don't understand what therapy can do for them. If they could understand... Like they, I know a lot of people who went for therapy, and they give their money, and they don't know where they're heading to. They don't know what, it, what it's going to do or what it's doing for them. And that's why they're talking about the money so much. I would like to agree with you on a certain level. The people actually do not do what therapy, don't know what therapy can help them. However, I'd like to take the other side, that they go and they don't see it doing much, Unfortunately, it's the other way around, which means the beauty of this program is that Baruch Hashem, people are sharing their stories, people are saying that they're doing better, people are listening to the recordings of these programs where I'm hitting to astronomical numbers, those listening to my phone line to hear the, the repeats of these programs and daily questions and answers. But I want to agree with you with what you're saying, and that is, I would like to change it, but my way of hearing what you're saying, that is that if people are in such pain, people are so many generations in pain, so many families in pain, that they don't even know it could be different. So instead of saying therapy doesn't tell you, or you don't know therapy doesn't tell you what it is, the person themselves are that blind, that actually being calm and happiness exists, other than not yelling, and other than not screaming. Um, could it be that, like, the therapists who really um, are successful are few and far between? No, I don't like saying that. Absolutely not. Do you know how many times people were not successful with me and were successful with someone that's quote-unquote called not so good? And, like, as if I have this good name? Absolutely not. Therapy is about a shidduch, about meeting the person, about connecting. It's about the client that was ready to open up. Do you know the average, the amount of clients just today? I've done four evaluations and three people aren't staying in the center because they're so blind and so blocked that they're going to be going at least a year in therapy just to understand what their problems are before they could even start therapy. And then they're going to say they didn't go to a good therapist. No, the situation is so dire, so, so stuck. Unfortunately, it's not the therapist that, that give it the bad name. From my experience, it's most of the time the clients that are coming, they want to hear what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I do see that this phone line does give people an idea of what therapy can do for them. But um, a lot of people that I see, like if they, I mean, maybe, maybe they should all be listening. If they would only understand what it can do for them, then they would pay the money already, and then they would do it already. No, then it they goes just, the other way. No, they just go a few no, times, no. They talk, and when they, you oh, say they pay talk. the money, no, they won't. I'm telling you, it's free. I'm telling you, go to an agency. I'm telling you, don't pay a penny. 
Go to all in in Brooklyn. You have wonderful agencies. Upstate, you've got wonderful agencies. In Lakewood, you've got wonderful agencies. In England, you've got wonderful agencies. Free the government. What an amazing country we live in. The government is willing to pay you. There's a small copay. Just go. They're not going. It's free. I'm talking about free therapy. Not when you already want a specialist. Free therapy. Just get yourself over there and continue to more than 10 sessions, especially continue more than one session after the therapist tells you you're the issue and not your husband or not your wife, as everyone loves blaming. Or when they come for their children and as when you tell them, no, you're the one that needs to be in therapy. Let's see those parents show up for one session when it's free. And when I say free, it's not free. It's like, the, it's like the Republicans are always saying, someone's paying for it. The taxpayers are paying for it. But for you, it's free. Why aren't they going to all the agencies where it's free? Uh-huh. And another thing, when Wait, somebody... Wait, what do you agree with what there... I just said? What's your comment? What's your reply to that? It's uh, free. I'm talking what? about free therapy. What? No, I mean, the, the thing... I mean, I, I know, like, from all the people I know who need therapy or who, who are going for therapy. Yeah, let's think about all those, people, all those people that you know that need therapy. What's the chances that they'll go even if it's free? Um, not if they, if, 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 they, if they understand what it can do for them. Hold on. Chances, How many times did you try explaining to them to go for therapy and what it will do for them and they're still not getting it? How many times have you begged these people, please go for therapy, You're pro- you have a problem? How many times have you tried that? Um, I've tried, but... That's right. Stop a second. Now, why weren't you successful? Because I, even though I, I do believe in therapy, I wasn't sure how it could help them. That's right. But. Now, imagine someone believes in therapy and the client comes and saying, you can't help me. I'm here because my sister forced me. It's not going to work. Therapy doesn't work that way. Therapy has to start with the point of, I have a problem. I know my life can be better. There's more value to me than I'm utilizing. I'm in pain, and it's about time to start changing it. That's when therapy starts. Mm-hmm. And also, is there such a thing as a person, as a person going and uh, the therapist having having a wrong opinion about the issue, about whatever issue is going all on? The time. Like, all the time. When does a person? All the time. Have you ever gone to a medical doctor and they've given a, a diagnosis that you disagree with? So how does a person know if they're in denial or if the therapist doesn't really Very get it? Very simple. Go to another therapist for an evaluation or just ask half your friends. Ask three, four people. Do you find me angry? Am I pleasant to work with? Am I someone that only sees things my way? Just ask, ask your close friends. Ask your husband or your wife. Ask your spouse. They'll always be so direct with you mm-hmm. and another thing um if i have a six-year-old boy who is um very anxious and a teacher saying like they take every little um thing that the teacher is saying um very too like too serious if a teacher is going to tell somebody that they can go out yeah then they'll already see that they can't ever go out and they, they, they take it very, very personal and very, very serious and the rules they take very um, to heart. And they, they are obviously perfect. I mean, this boy is a perfectionist. Yeah. What's your question? So my question is, does such a boy belong in therapy or do his parents belong in therapy? If what do you think? After listening to me long enough, what do you think? After listening, I know that you believe that the parents do, but if... If, right. um, now finish your sentence. Great, I was waiting. But if? Finish that but if. <laughs> but if the parents aren't like that. Ah, hold on. If the parents aren't like what? The parents aren't putting pressure. I, I didn't say the parents putting pressure. 
the parents aren't aren't uh, perfectionists in that way. Oh, but they are they perfectionists so in a different the way? The parents are more laid back. Are they perfectionists in their lives? One of them. Oh, but that's all we need. They're perfectionists, but they're more laid back. So you see, now you want to understand theory. How does the Rabbi Shlela make it that when I have a feeling, you're going to feel it? Why is it when I'm around an anxious person, I will feel anxious? How long can you be around a person that yells and screams in their house? Even if it's not at you, you just sit in the dining room when a mother is screaming at her kid. How long will you handle that? Without you getting affected. Five minutes, ten minutes, an hour. Just give me a time. I guess not too long. Okay, well then that's what this kid is feeling. And what I'm trying to explain to parents are that when we change the feelings in the house, kids' feelings change. So far, it's it's about 100% accurate. But what, I mean... Now you want to focus on the kid again. But, but... That's, I don't want to focus on the kids. Sure, if that's what that's, your answer. Let's understand. You don't like the answer about working on the parents. So what do you want? You want I like to work the on the answer kid? if it's no, just you don't. Not, not the case. It's just not the case. So I just showed you that it is the case. And we just described to you that the father or the mother, one of them are major perfections to themselves. We just explained to you that if a person yells and you're in the room, you're going to get affected. If you're around but someone that has anxiety... Nobody yells at him. A team. What about the other atmosphere? Right. And what about it themselves? And what about when they beat themselves up and when they're frustrated and stressed at themselves? That's why I said, you're in the room, the parent is not yelling at you. How long can you stay calm when a mother is yelling at the child and you're just in the room? That's all I asked. I didn't ask at you. I don't get it. I'm asking you, let's try it again. You're in the room, a mother is yelling at the daughter, screaming at her. In the dining room, you're sitting in the dining room, you're just sitting at a dining room chair. How calm are you going to be after 10 minutes of that mother yelling at the kid? Yeah, but where does this come to... Oh, very simple. Where does this connect? Oh, the connection is that when a person is tense on themselves and they make mistakes, they're perfectionists, they will be upset, they will be nervous. They might think that they're burying it, but really everyone sees it. So the child is feeling it and therefore they're... Exactly. The same way you're being in a dining room for 10 minutes of a mother screaming, this kid is living 24-7 or when they're around his parents... Being around this anxiety or tense or perfection. Oh, but it's not like that because uh, it's the. It's okay, the so let's understand. Let's clarify. I've just repeated myself or answered my question three times, and you don't like the answer. Or you disagree with that answer. I That's like acceptable. the answer. It's not about liking. You just dis- you just don't understand it. That's acceptable. That's acceptable. I mean, if the child is around the mother who's more laid back, the father is not home a lot. Let's not let's not go into why. Isn't it interesting? All I will tell you is. That look at it this way. Isn't it amazing that when kids have anxiety, almost all the time, one or both parents have it, and then when the parents go for therapy, the kids, it disappears. I'd like to shift that on to you. Isn't that interesting? And leave it at that. Thank you for calling in. We are going to go to our next caller, Rav We'll go to Mrs. K. Mrs. K, you're on the air with Mordechai and Rav Hello. Yes, Hi. Hi, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure and honor. Okay. Um, I don't have a question, but I just need some, like a push. I have, I have to go to therapy, and I'm just so lazy to go. Well, lazy. Not only lazy, but I have no patience to sit and listen and do whatever. Well, usually if the therapist does a good job, you're going to be talking. You won't be listening. 
Right. So I I have no patience to talk. So let's not get your patience, question. but I'm all right. I'm very sounds... not motivated to do it. Well, these things have different diagnoses to us, and we need to do a drop of an evaluation. Why is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it um, a physical illness that is going on? Is there that you've gone through the past to people and they've told you what to do? Is it that right now there's a major pressure with Parnassus in your house? Is there problems with someone not well in your house? Do you need medication to be the first step? Do you need a life coach or someone to behaviorally grab you out of the house and push you for the first 10 times? Do you need family support? Each of those things is what's needed and different therapists will deal with different levels. In, in our center, for an example, we don't take that level of a person that's not ready to get, come themselves. For example, we have a very simple policy. You can't call for anyone else. No, let's say you want to call for your sister. You want to call for your mother. We say you got to make the mother make the first call. Do you know we've had that two weeks ago, a mother saying, which is an adult daughter calling for their mother. We said, sorry, the mother has to make the appointment. Then the mother calls and says, you know, I want to thank you for that. My daughter is so involved in my life. I want to make my own appointments. I want to do it. And she was so involved. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, if someone's not able to make the call, then the family members need to be in therapy. Let's say your husband should be in therapy and to start recognizing, does he have to get stronger? Do we need to get a doctor to come down to your house and maybe prescribe medication? Are there other stuff going on? Because you might be in a severe depression. And going to therapy is actually the wrong step at first. The first step is get you on medication. The first step might be getting now some every day another sister come and take you to exercise and get out of the house and walking. No, that's not the case. It's well, not depression. Well, we don't know what the case is. All I do know is when you're saying you're so not motivated and you sound like blah, blah, blah. Sounds like there's something going on. Maybe you're afraid what will be discovered. Um. Yep. So, what? Okay. Yeah. So the next step is reach out for help. Start asking your family members. Start asking someone, your husband. Please help me. I gotta go for therapy. Push me. Kick me. Grab me. Force me. Punish me. Do something, but get me to therapy. Mm-hmm. Beg. Ask for it. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Good night. Good night. We've got about three minutes left, three and a half minutes. So, Miss B, you're on there with Mordechai and Rav Nissim. Hello? Yes, hi. Hi. Um, I want to know, um, how do you get rid of a fear of, like, I want to do something, but I can't do it because I want to hurt myself? Yes, that's very normal, by the way. Welcome to the world of the living. So, first know you're normal. And now, one of the ways that we do is slowly trying to slowly break that behavior. So can you give me one example? Um, it's, I go to the gym and I did something and I hurt myself and now I can't do it, only if someone's there. Right. So now when someone is there, do you do it? Yeah, I could do it. Excellent. And now the next step is ask the person to stand at the other side of the gym when you do it. And do it several times. Do it even for two weeks. Then the third week, ask them to stand just outside the door. So they're but not I watching. I can't do it if they're not there. Wait, wait. Notice, you see how you just went to the extreme? What I'm saying is one step at a time. Have them stand further away, build up the safety, build up the confidence. That's called, that's part of exposure therapy. That you need to do it. And the more you start doing it, you see, oh, it's not that bad. So your mind is, I'm afraid. But that's why you go one step at a time. So notice that I didn't say they should wait out the door right away. What did I suggest? So someone should just move a little further and then a little further. And that's right. And each time you'll get more safer and confident. But if you think now of the last step, of course you won't be able to do it. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah. Hold on, Herb. You know, by by the the cowboys as a, a rules, when you fall from the horse, you're forcing to go back on the horse. I remember in my uh, in my serving in the army, I forced myself after war after the, the getting it go back to the unit and rebuild it. It's you must do it. Otherwise, all your life you stay with the fear. That's right. So understand, falling down, making mistakes, getting hurt, that's part of life. In fact, that's a successful part. That means you're participating in life. And we want to make sure that you don't get stuck in that painful part, which is part of it. Any, everyone's going to have that. All right, we've got a minute 30. Thank you so much. You're welcome. A minute 30. Let's go hop on another call. Hi, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hello? Yes. Um, okay. So I am... Going to camp with friends, I mean, they're not really my friends. Um, I don't know, like, like what to do. Like, 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 they were once my friends, but, like, I feel like I'm now going myself. Okay. And what's your question? So I want to know, go. like, how to deal with it. Like, like, if I'm going, like, like, I feel a little out of it. Maybe I just shouldn't go with them. Like, I feel like maybe they don't like me. So how about we try a different view? How about you view going to camp that you just have some acquaintances and you allow the process to unfold, which means you might actually make best friends, girls that you didn't even expect and you didn't know. That's one of the beauties of camp. However, listen, what would you say? I say that, first of all, it's quite far from the camp. You know, it seems like you start worrying too early and uh, start to get adjustment uh, that it's, it's really not. And the camp close to the summer and I'm, enjoy, I'm sure that you will enjoy the camp with the new friends and the old friends together. Just don't be worried. Don't get it yourself so much. Even before Purim, enjoy the Purim. Enjoy Pesach. And then look, think about other stuff, you know. It seems like you're too worried. But, like, I feel like they're, like, they're, they're not including me. So I don't know if maybe I just shouldn't go. Let's, you just did a teenage thing where you went right back to your question. I loved her, Avnissen's answer. Do you know what Avnissen's answer was? Don't think about it now. You'll get there. You'll deal with it. You have time to work on it three weeks before camp. Right now, we're about eight weeks before camp, ten weeks before camp, twelve weeks before camp, actually. We're about three and a half months now before camp. So relax. Okay, thank you. You got it. Okay. I'd like to thank everyone for calling in, Harav Nissen, for hosting the program. It is such a pleasure to be here again in the studio. It just feels alive. And thank you all much. I'm looking forward to taking your questions and answers next week. Thank you uh, very much. And I just want to remind our, our listeners, we need you. We need you, especially to upgrade our oh, system. Oh, of course. Yes, please. Everyone donate. The number to call in to donate is? It's uh, 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398. Just text us. We'll call you. Or just send a donation to 2829 Nostrand Avenue, uh, Brooklyn, New York, 11229. And I really appreciate this because we need... That's right, we need the donations. It. We need the money, and we need to be able to play, be on air. Everything takes time and takes money. So thank you, and please donate. It's important. So just text to 347-927-8398, and we will get back to you and help you out and to help us out. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much.